In Louisiana, a teacher is accused of giving birth to a student's baby. In Florida, a teen did not realize she was raped until she sees the video. And in New York, a poet who is killed in what appears to be a random stabbing. These stories and more coming at you today, Friday, October 6th, on Real Life or Crime Daily, and I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavino. Hello, guys. Friday. Thirsty Friday. Thirsty Friday. That has a a great ring to it. That's a a new one. Freaky Friday. This week, it has a great ring to it. Freaky Friday. I can't find a... Freaky Thursday, Friday. Yes. Single thing going into this weekend to feel good about. Oh, I got it for you. What do you got? I got it, and I want everybody out there to listen. Like, I'm a crackhead about our numbers on the show and stuff. I'm a crackhead about the weather. Today is the last day of the year we're going to be in the 90s. And today (laughs) is the first day of the year that we're not going to get back into the 90s. And... Tomorrow, on Saturday, the high is going to be in the 70s, baby, and the low is going to be in the 50s. And next, all next week, the next 10 days, no 90s in the schedules, uh, low 80s, and following. Okay. so Finally, fall weather. We can celebrate the weather. Yes. Okay. means everything to 100 miles. That's right. That's right. right. It means everything to? I just made that word up, hunter man. Hunter man. Okay. I was going to say, because I don't really... I mean, yeah. 80, 90, I don't know. It doesn't, I mean, oh, it makes 40 it, to 90. No, no, but we're 108 to 90s are great, but 90s to low 80s is great. This is, is why better. you are an eternal optimist and, and yeah, you're a better, better the, human being than me because night, you could be depressed about your football team right now. Right, you right. could, there's a lot of other shit you could be down about, but you're psyched about the weather. I am. And, the weather's probably not going to pull me over. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> from where you come from. I was probably on the not. phone yesterday got, uh, with a guy from New York City. And he was like, the weather's perfect here today. It's, it's in the 70s and blue skies. I'm thinking, but it's still 94 here, right? Yeah, and, that's hot. And it hadn't rained in three months. No, October is an interesting it's month up rain. there because it could be 75 and sunny. Yeah. And it could snow. I mean, really? It, really? Uh, there's been some pre-Halloween. Usually, it's you get a, you get one or two in November pre-Thanksgiving, and that's that's when you really yeah. get depressed up there because it's it's not even Thanksgiving and you got my, snow on the ground. My but. friends in Wisconsin right now, that highs in the sixties and lows in the thirties, no humidity. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, we want to tell you all how much we love and appreciate you, and you know. Please continue to like and share and leave reviews and everything else. And let's get into some crime time for Friday. All right. We're going to take you to Louisiana in the Tangipahoa Parish Sheriff's Mm -hmm. Office has arrested a former teacher and accused her of sexual misconduct with a minor. Morgan Freesh, 33, turned herself into detectives Tuesday morning after several warrants were issued for her arrest following an investigation of misconduct dating back approximately two years. Freesh was accused of having a baby with a then 17-year-old student 
or now 17-year-old student, and resigned from her position at LaRanger Middle School last week. She has been charged with one count of third-degree rape, four counts of felony carnal knowledge of a juvenile, and one count of oral sexual battery. The teen's attorney, George Tucker, said the family is relieved, excited, and encouraged. We're happy with these types of charges. We think they uh, there should have been more charges because there were more events. Uh, he said the family is focused on getting the teen into therapy so he can move forward. Tucker said the family is not done yet and is turning to Loranger High School and Tangipahoa School System, who they claim knew of the allegations prior to the family reporting them. Now, that's them claiming that. The next steps are now to try and see why this wasn't something that was uh, shared with the family by those who knew far prior to now. It's become known to the family that the school was notified twice, once by the family of the superintendent, the second time by two LaRanger employees, but was never reported. Tangibahoa Parish School Superintendent Melissa Stilley said the mother of the student uh, uh, involved emailed me uh, on September 24th at 4 o'clock. That's when the school district became aware. We immediately put the teacher on leave while law enforcement investigated. The teacher did resign on Tuesday, September 26th. Stilly issued the following statement. We have uh, just learned of the arrest of the Tangipahoa Parish teacher Morgan Freesh. Although personnel and student matters are confidential and the specifics of such matters may not be discussed, student safety and the proper conduct of school district employees are a priority. Neither the board nor the office will tolerate employee behavior which crosses the line. We are cooperating with law enforcement in its investigation of the matter at this time. Yeah, so I was aware of the story, and uh, uh, Tucker is actually a pretty squared away attorney based out of Greensburg. He's a good guy. The, um, you know, you hear about it a lot more about male teachers with female students. And a lot of times it's a, he said, and it may not be true or whatever, but there's no denying that you got a baby and the baby's DNA comes back to that student who was approximately 15 that's at a, the time. That's actually a, a super uh, great point and something you don't, you know, you hear about this happening a lot with teachers, it seems like, uh, especially over the last five years or so, but you don't hear a lot that they actually had a baby. Right. Um, and that, yeah, that's a whole nother chain you of evidence. Think being a, a teacher, you would know what causes that and no glove, no love, uh, but it's rape, pure and simple. Under Louisiana law, and he, uh, and he was fifteen at the, 15, at the time they started uh, look, that relationship. And and people say, and I would have said it to you, you know, when I was fifteen, I'd like to have sex with my, you know, one of my teachers or whatever. But uh, under Louisiana law, you cannot consent at that age, right? Right. And and, and, and you get you get a fifteen year old who's got raging hormones, and this teacher uses their position of authority to groom or basically get this. Um, and I don't know. And it, I mean, it's just, well, this, this is uh, the shocking part to me. I'm, this is not a, a pro-life pro-choice thing, right. but 15 year old, it's surprising that the teacher went through with the pregnancy. Yeah, right. There have been some of these where, uh, where they profess their love 
Yes. For the student, yes. and they go away, and then they get out. How many years later, that? and then they end up together with that student. I can't again. remember yeah, their can't name. Remember. That, that somewhere that up north, and then they end, uh, the guy looked like he was Samoan, and that student did, and then she went to jail for it, and she was still having contact, had a baby by him, still having contact, and they got out, and they actually got married. Right, and uh, uh, but it doesn't make it right. right. No, no, but, it doesn't make it right yeah. at all. But but I'm I'm just trying to has she. The teacher said anything? Has she proclaimed her love no, for the? Okay, no, it's nothing that, like that, that. Nothing like that. But she decided to go term with the with the pregnancy yeah, and uh, thought maybe, she could get away she, with yeah, it. Maybe with, she was going to say somebody else knocked her up. I don't know. Uh, but that that's, that's crazy, 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 crazy. All right, our favorite county. No, yes, they've done it again. Oh, you see, you when I said, "Can you make my Friday better?" Right? You should have said, Pen- you know, "I got a Pinellas County story." I, I, you are new as Pinellas County, so there, here we are, and our, you know, one of my favorite law enforcement agencies now. In the beginning, I, mean, I was kind of worried about them, and now they just keep continuing to deliver. And Pinellas t- t- detectives assigned to the Crimes Against Children Unit have arrested a 72-year-old Petru Versan for one count of lewd and lascivious molestation and one count of lewd and lascivious conduct. Detectives began an investigation after a 14-year-old unnamed victim reported that Versan inappropriately touched her on numerous occasions while at Peter's Taylor Shops in the Bel Air Bluffs. The alleged victim also claimed that Versan made inappropriate sexual comments to her about wanting to have sex with her. The victim told detectives, right? The victim told detectives that these incidents did not just occur while um, Versan was tailoring her clothing. Versan is the owner of the business. On Thursday, September 28, 2023, Versan was interviewed by detectives and placed under arrest, and he admitted to possibly touching the victim inappropriately while tailoring her clothes for her. He was transported to the Pinellas County Jail, and the investigation continues. And this gentleman, we haven't talked about this in a while. I told you sex is 90%, 99% mental. This dude was 72 years old. I'm not, I'm not saying he can't get an erection in 72 because they have pills for that and shit, but he's he's just doing the touching and putting it in a spank bank. And is and his he said, possibly? What was his thing? Possibly. He said, uh, um, Versana admitted to possibly touching the victim inappropriately. Well, that, yeah, you know, you did. okay. So he's, the, the, it was I, accident. So he's trying to pull like a, a Larry Nasser, right, uh, you know, the, right, this I, actually I, is kind of like I, a Larry Nasser. I could have Nassar. done it. Um, maybe, the, you know, every time I've ever interviewed or interrogated someone and, and, and asked them, you know, did you do this or whatever? Um, maybe, or inadvertently, yeah, uh, uh, um, possibly, and I'm like, okay, yeah, you're guilty as hell. Right. The second they go to the, you know, it was, uh, it was unintended. It was yeah, accidental. Right. You know, I could see her thinking that, but that wasn't really what was happening. Well, I, I would think Pinellas would end up with a line of uh, women, young ladies coming say, forward that got tailored at that, that particular was, uh, shop following. That was going to be my same that. thing. I was going to say, um, they're putting this out there. That's why the investigation continues. More people are going to come forward. 
And this 72-year-old man is going to spend the rest of his life in prison. Well, and they're going to take his golf cart away, which they yeah, should. Yeah, his souped-up golf cart. should not cart. have yeah. a souped-up golf yeah. cart. It's crazy, right? Um, mm. Pinellas. Pinellas delivers on a once, Friday. Once again. Okay, I got a crazy, crazy case going on that uh, that is lighting up social media in uh, in ways you rarely see. I mean, the kind of tallies on the video involved here is getting, I think it's over a hundred million views wow. at this point. How many people are in the United States? Uh, 320 million. Wow. That's a one third of the population. Well, I'm sure some of those views are from outside the U S although, oh, yeah, yeah, although yeah, yeah, interest yeah. in us, well, this is a very much a U S yeah. story. It's uh, uh, it's, it's really large. And so, you know, we've, we've covered a lot of these kind of cases. This is a sexual abuse case. It's a sexual abuse uh, accusations involved here. And it involves a guy that was a pretty high profile major league baseball player just a couple of years ago, a guy by the name of Trevor Bauer, who had parlayed a few really good years into a humongous contract with the Los Angeles Dodgers. They signed him to a three-year, $103 million uh, contract. And so he was a big deal. But just months after he signed that contract, accusations came that he had abused a woman. Mm -hmm. She actually came out uh, publicly. Her name is Lindsay Hill. And the accusation was a little bit different than what you see in a lot of these cases. Her uh, accusation was that they had consensual sex, but that he wanted it rough and she agreed for it to be rough, but then it got a hell of a lot rougher than she intended for it to be, that he uh, punched her in the face. It must, not, he, had, it must not have had a safe word. Uh, well, actually, it's... It's interesting that you mention that because according to uh, to his story, which is only coming out now for reasons we'll get into, he says that they did. Oh, okay. Right. And uh, but I don't we don't we don't know it's as it always is in these cases, it's hard and certainly was hard on the front end to distinguish between what the two people were saying versus where the truth was right, right. because you didn't have uh, facts out on the table. You had uh, you had accusations, and so, uh, but you know what also happens in cases like this when you've got a high profile uh, professional uh, athlete. I've worked these. I'll tell you about it afterwards. Go ahead. When you do, you have PR implications, and both Major League Baseball and the Los Angeles Dodgers, when the accusations came out, which involved pictures and. Uh, postings by Lindsay Hill of her with two black eyes and all marked up all over her face. I mean, they're pretty brutal to look at when that happens and you've got morality clauses and contracts and you've got uh, uh, PR issues. Companies tend to uh, tend to move aggressively on these things. So major league baseball suspended this guy for over 300 games. It got lowered to about right. half of that. Yeah, that's basically two years. Say, yeah. How many, how many years? Is it that? was, it was appealed and they lowered it to basically half of that. So it went from a, a three year to a, a two year to a one year. But on the heels of that, the Dodgers then released him. So he was out of baseball as a result out of baseball in the United States, as a result of the accusations that came from this woman. And, uh, 
So he, he ends up going to Japan to play baseball because that's the only place he could play baseball. And everybody sort of sat waiting for this thing to get into uh, the courts because there was an accusation of a, uh, a crime, not just a, uh, a civil right. uh, litigation here. And so people were shocked when the court, and remember we're talking about Los Angeles here, Los Angeles uh, DA, Los Angeles courts, First, they did not award the woman a uh, a restraining order, which given what you saw on the surface, how could she not get a restraining order? Everywhere in the United States, they at least give her a TR, a temporary restraining order. So that was strange. And then the DA who has been really aggressive with these cases. And I think if you, if you think back to some of the more high profile ones, whether it's uh, Harvey Weinstein or uh, Les Moonves, I mean, a lot of big wigs in Hollywood uh, were aggressively prosecuted and deservedly so because they right. committed a lot of abuses against women for a lot of years. Right. And, uh, and so it was really strange to see the restraining order not given and then the DA not press, not press charges. charges. Yeah. So people were scratching their heads, so the but the DA must have had more knowledge. Well, the only thing that happened was a video was released in February of 22 by Bauer that aggressively claimed that she was lying, that he never punched her, that he, uh, she said that he punched her in the vagina too. He said, I never punched her in the vagina. I never punched her in the face. I never did uh, any of these things that she's uh, accusing me of. But again, that was just him posting a video and, 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 and denying the charges, but things went quiet again and remained quiet until an announcement came out this week that the parties which he sued her and then she countersued, right. that each of them were dropping their lawsuits, that they weren't exchanging a penny between them. So no money exchanged, the case settled, and that uh, there was no gag order. That is- really strange, right? right? So the next thing you know the attorneys for Trevor Bauer make a statement that uh, that says Trevor Bauer and Lindsay Hill have settled all outstanding litigation. Both of their respective claims have been withdrawn with prejudice effective today. Mr. Bauer did not make and has never made any payments to Ms. Hill, including to resolve the litigation with this matter. Now at rest, Mr. Bauer can focus completely on baseball. And so that was the first thing that happened. And so, there you go. Everybody scratching their heads again, going, "What the hell That's was never happened?" Uh, 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 you know, good for him to stick in his guns, but it sounds like he he just wanted out of the battle, uh, but he didn't have to pay, and and that not having to pay anything tells me he's innocent. Well, you thought it was going to end there because it just seemed like that that would be the way this case would end. And then Bauer posts a video, a video that has now been uh, been viewed more than a hundred million times. And in the video, Bauer claims 
that he specifically refused to agree to any sort of gag order that would limit his ability to talk about the case. And uh, this video, I should point out that he does not disclose how or where he got texts, text messages that he shared in this video that are uh, supposedly from Lindsay Hill to a friend of hers. So he shares text messages of hers and also shares a video that I would say allegedly, except it's obviously that she took. Okay. And, uh, and so what he, what he says is uh, the texts uh, indicated one Lindsay Hill described to her friend Bauer as her quote, next victim star pitcher for the Dodgers. Then another text to that same friend saying, quote, what should I steal? And she gets the answer from the friend, take his money. Hmm. Then another one that says uh, uh, from Hill again, I'm going to his house Wednesday. I already have my hooks in. You know how I roll. Then Bauer claims that, uh, that after... Uh, they were together for the first time. She sends out another text saying, found out his net worth is 51 million and quote, bitch, you better secure the bag from her friend, right? Mm. So Bauer then wonders aloud how she planned to do that. And he answers with texts again that read, quote, need daddy to choke me out. Mm. And quote, being an absolute whore, to try and get in on his 51 million. And so when you, when you see these texts and, uh, and it, they certainly, uh, they certainly appear to, uh, to be from her uh, and uh, this exchange between uh, her friend, but then he stops at the minute, one minute or so mark in the video and shows a video that was, is of Hill lying on his uh, on his bed and he's there asleep. She's laying beside him and uh, the video uh, he claims that he's got all the metadata that the video was unlawfully concealed by her and or her attorneys during discovery and uh, and that the video is 100% authentic and the video is taken the morning after he allegedly beat her up and she then posted these pictures with with her and the uh, and the black eyes and everything, and in the video, there's not a mark. So she on, did it. There's not a mark on her face, and so uh, and she's smirking at the at the camera the entire time she's taking this video. And so, you know, all we have at this point is Bauer's word for the authenticity of the emails in the video. If uh, if they are authentic, which his lawyers are, are are backing this up. It certainly goes a long way toward explaining why a seemingly beaten woman would not be awarded a restraining order, mm-hmm. why a DA might not bring charges, and why the case would get settled with zero money exchanging t- hands. Let me tell you what happened. Swim, someone who isn't me, they, a fixer might have broke into her house and got her phone or, or however they did it. They got that video and those text messages and but they know they got them illegally, but they knew, they presented to their attorneys, her attorneys, and like, mm, okay, bitch, you you wouldn't play dirty. This is dirty, and even though 
it's not going to be a, allowed to be used in court because we attained them illegally, then we're going to put them out there anyway and we're going to ruin her. And and so that's what happened. And and that's why the, she decided to go away uh, because she didn't want that done. But then he insisted on uh, not having a gag order because he was going to do it anyway. Right. Well, and he, I, that he, is, didn't, he didn't need to go after a penny of hers because, right. remember— right. Major League Baseball and the Dodgers right. both acted before any of the evidence was out here. Right. And, and he lost $103 million. Well, no, because a portion at least, or maybe more than a portion of that contract was uh, was guaranteed, guaranteed up front. Yeah. I don't know if it was tied to morality clauses. I, I don't know exactly how much of that money he lost, but but he lost his reputation right? and he had to go play in Japan and, and well, you know that, I mean, I wish the obscureness wasn't there. And I, I wish they didn't have to use a fixer to, to attain this stuff. However, they got it and it could be used because that bitch deserves to be in jail. I mean, that's a crime period. Yeah. And, and look, I think the, the, for hundreds and hundreds of years, men got away with, utilizing their power uh, to abuse women in all kinds of different contexts. And in the last decade, maybe decade and a half, uh, you know, victims' rights and the, um, the rights of whistleblowers have grown uh, tremendously in response to all of those years of abuse. And then sometimes the pendulum swings a little bit too far, or sometimes there are just bad actors in the middle well, of something the, that become opportunists takes, that see. It takes all kinds, just like the dirt bags that use it in the past, their power, position of power, to give, you know, force women to have sex, whether it be getting them jobs or whatever it may be. There's always going to be the other end of the spectrum. There's bitches like this who are going to figure out how to try to blackmail you and get money out of you. Yeah. So, well, and, uh, you know, by all accounts, this guy's not a, you know, good guy, not a really well-liked guy across yeah. uh, across baseball. And so that uh, that probably put him in a position where he wasn't getting any benefit of the doubt, where yeah. maybe yeah. if somebody else, you know, if this was Mookie Betts, another Dodgers player, right. who's uh, they 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 might have held out and waited for all the facts to come right, out instead right. of uh, well, instead of acting quickly. I'm thankful. But, However, they got it. They got the video and the text messages, and, and uh, that girl still yep. deserves to get a jail. We'll uh, we'll share uh, the video if you're one of the 200 million that hasn't seen it yet. All right. Until next time, I'm Jim Chapman. <laughs> no, that's a good. I think that was a good. I think that was really good. Some well, people are we're, doing. We're at an hour. Some people are doing yeah. 90 minutes on that. <laughs> hey, hey, we're not on the NBC time slot at yeah. 8 p.m. where, you know, we got to evaporate at but 9 p.m. I, I, I mean, if we go a little long, we go uh, a little long. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. 
It's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Very horrible story regarding breast cancer and a crime. And then later on in the show, in lieu of one of my segments, I'm going to give y'all some information on breast cancer that you may or not be aware of, may or may not be aware of. I know there's a lot of ladies out there, and right. uh, and I have kind of a close tie to that, so that'll be later on. But a Chattanooga woman was sentenced to 42 months in prison after I, she swindled friends. I used to live there. Great town. They have a choo-choo there. Yeah, UTC. <laughs> she swindled friends, co-workers, and cancer support groups out of $54,000 for an attention-seeking ploy to convince them she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Hamilton County criminal judge uh, Don Poole showed no mercy to the 39-year-old uh, Keel Maynor during a four-hour hearing in which prosecutors pushed for a probation sentence that would enable Maynor to work off her debt, but the judge thought otherwise. It seems to me like some confinement is necessary, and it's confinement she will get, along with 10 years of probation. Officials immediately took Maynor, a mother of three, into custody following her sentence. Maynor appeared remorseful for her actions, and in tearful testimony, she claimed she was sorry for hurting so many people. Maynor reportedly went to extreme measures to mislead those around her, including shaving her head. She was also the recipient of more than $4,000 of proceeds following a silent auction uh, held in her honor. According to Maynor, she spent the money on Christmas gifts for her children. Maynor had previously pled guilty to theft and forgery. Uh Maynard summed up her deceitful plan and testimony when she said she felt unloved. She continued to say she was emotionally abused by her mother during her adolescence and sexually abused by her stepbrother. I'll spend the rest of my life trying to make my wrong right, she declared. Assistant District Attorney Neil uh, Pinkerson said the prison time was befitting of Maynard's fraudulent crimes in which she fooled friends, co-workers, and support groups like the Breast Cancer Network of Strength, a church, and high school football booster club. Her self-proclaimed charade came to an end when Maynard confessed her wrongdoings in an email after she left her job in the city's planning department. So absolutely despicable. Yeah, and I've seen cases like this in the past, and it just makes you want to throw up. It's disgusting. Yeah, I think everybody – know somebody that's died from some type of cancer or whatever and and these people take advantage of these people uh i bet she gets her ass beat number one killer among women Mm -hmm. and you're a woman and you're going to use that that for financial gain it's absolutely think how much you have to do that you got football booster clubs and silent auctions and all these people pouring out the love yeah. You and you're lying. And shout out to the judge who said, right, yeah. you're going to spend time in jail. I agree. We're not just going to give you probation. I agree. Good for him. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So they should put her at the top of Lookout Mountain where she has to see yeah. seven states for seven years. Yeah. Like like a chamber up case. there that rotates yeah, and she has to like look at the seven states that yeah. you can't actually tell her seven states yeah. from up there or like the bar in the, in the Monte or ride her in the choo-choo for seven yeah. years. You yeah, have to you ride the Chattanooga yeah. choo-choo or whatever. Yeah. There's a Ruby Falls. She has to go to Ruby there, Falls there for seven years. There you go. Well, I lived on East Brainerd Road. Never forget it. Some of the best times of my life. All right. Let's go back to Florida. Yeah. Pinellas. Mm-mm. And as this is in Hillsborough County and this, this is a shitty story. 
A horrified teenage girl found out she had been raped while blackout drunk at a party in Florida when another teen shared sick footage of it on social media, according to police. The girl, who was only identified as being between 12 and 18, became intoxicated Mm. to the point of losing consciousness at the September 23rd bash with other underage drinking teens in Plant City, the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office said. It was during this vulnerable state that, that Danielle, I hate to even say her name, but Danielle Brown, 17, no, and that's the bad guy's name. Daniel Brown, 17, raped unconscious victim, the sheriff also said. Another party goer, Ethan Urez, 18, filmed the sex attack and spread it on social media, and he should be in jail too. The next day, the victim became aware of the sexual matter through the video footage that uh, Urez had captured. She contacted detectives, and both Brown and Urez confessed to their despicable actions. Brown was arrested on September 28th on charge of sexual battery by a person between um, the ages of upon the person between the ages of 12 and 18. Uras turned himself in the next day on two counts of promotion of sexual performance by a child and one count of unlawful use of a two-way communication device. And I am disgusted at the actions of these individuals who exploited someone in such a vulnerable state, the sheriff said. I extend my deepest sympathies to this, to this young woman and admire her bravery in coming forward to her deputies. Man, could you imagine, bro, being that that young and being dead horse is what they call it. And, and somebody filming it and the whole world gets to see it. That's why I chain my daughters to a yeah post at night. Yeah, Don't man. let them out. They, like, back in the day before they had social media, they used to use chastity belts instead of chaining them to the bed. But yeah. Um, oh, if I could. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can't, I mean, they, girls go to be women. I got 25 and, 24-year-old. And how old were the the guys were how old? Mm-hmm. They had to be adults for them to share their names, right? Right, so 17. Had, I, one of them was 17, I think. Or I think both of them were 17. I mean, it seems like that demographic right there, like 15 to 21-year-olds, or maybe a little younger than 21, I mean, we've just lost them. In this when you look at the scenes of the looting that's going on all across the country, the carjacking that's going on, uh, this kind of crime, it uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, mean. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that when we were covering the Carly Russell Odyssey, the woman who uh, claimed to have been kidnapped while chasing the toddler on the side of the road in, in Alabama. Alabama. Uh, I got a note from a listener who said, well, why haven't you guys covered the Sherry Papini story? And I was like, I, don't know. I never heard, I don't I heard know of the it. Sherry Papini story. Well, now I know the Sherry Papini story because Sherry Papini is leaving her halfway house after being incarcerated uh, for a period of time and uh, and getting out on an early release after faking a kidnapping. So here is the story with Sherry Papini. The California woman made headlines for faking her own kidnapping back in 2016. Mike was living in California in 2016, so you would think I would know this freaking story. Papini, 41 years old, was released Friday, eight months early in her 18-month prison sentence 
According to the Federal Bureau of Prisons, she'd been under community confinement at a halfway house after being transferred there in August from another facility. She will now remain on supervised release for the next three years. In 2016, the then 34-year-old wife and mother of two claimed to have been a victim of a violent abduction while she was out on a morning run in her Redding, California neighborhood. Her husband, Keith Papini, reported her missing that evening, and an extensive search was conducted. 22 days later. Mm. So not we got Carly back in 48 hours, right? So this is, this is three weeks later. So this is in the everyone's assumed she's dead mm-hmm. uh, a period of time for sure. So 22 days later on November 24th, uh, she, uh, uh, Papini was spotted by a passing motorist walking alongside a rural road near Sacramento, which is about 150 miles from the site where she was allegedly kidnapped. She was bound with restraints at the time. Papini told authorities that she had managed to escape her captors, who she described as two Hispanic women. So she claimed she had been kidnapped by two Hispanic women. Uh, She said the women abducted her at gunpoint and forced her into an SUV. The uh, the women were armed, considered dangerous, and they have a handgun, at least a handgun with them. Shasta County Sheriff Tom Basenko told reporters during a press conference back at uh, the time. However, by the following year, Papini's story began to unravel as investigators turned up key evidence that contradicted her kidnapping claim. Charging documents released later in the investigation revealed that DNA evidence taken from the clothing Papini was wearing when she was found did not belong to her supposed female abductors. Instead, the DNA was matched to an offender that was in the system related to an ex-boyfriend of Papini's. Investigators later pulled Papini's DNA from an iced tea bottle retrieved from her ex-boyfriend's trash. Upon being interviewed, the ex-boyfriend admitted to helping Papini, quote, run away because she alleged that her husband was abusing her. While her family believed she was missing, Papini was actually hiding out in her ex-boyfriend's Costa Mesa apartment. After 22 days off the radar, Papini told her former boyfriend she missed her children and wanted to go home. The ex-boyfriend told investigators Papini hit and burned herself to create injuries and asked him to drop her on the side of the road where she was later discovered. On April 12th of 2022, Papini was charged with one count of making false statements to a federal agent and 34 counts of mail fraud. She pleaded guilty and admitted that her kidnapping claim was fabricated. Two days later, her husband filed for divorce. That's what happens. Claiming in court filing that the family was traumatized by his wife's disappearance and kidnapping hoax. She also had to pay $309,902 in restitution. I don't know if she was able to pay that um, when uh, when she was sentenced. And so now she is out after all of that, and we will see what happens. Another crazy story. 22 days of fun time to a wedding. I mean, crazy. Why don't you just walk out? Oh, yep, and there's a picture. Hmm. Mm. I don't know. All right. Uh, officials have positively identified the last unknown victim of the infamous Happy Face Killer, thanks to advancements in DNA and genome sequencing. On Tuesday, October 3rd, the Os- uh, Okaloosa 
County Sheriff Eric Adan announced a Jane Doe who was found deceased on the side of the highway in September of 1994 uh, has been named as Suzanne Kelgenberg. She was likely the sixth of eight victims brutally murdered by Keith Jefferson, who was notoriously known as the Happy Face Killer because he sent letters to the press and signed each correspondence with a smiley face. Jefferson is currently locked up at the Oregon State Penitentiary serving seven life sentences for murdering seven people between 1990 and 1995. Mm -hmm. Prosecutors are charging him in connection with Kelgenberg's death. Kelgenberg was killed in August of 1994, and her body was left in a tree line off Interstate 10 uh, near the Florida Panhandle. Inmates working on the side of the highway discovered her remains on September 4th, of 1994. She was wearing a long button-up dress with flowers and lots of jewelry, including a cord bracelet with beads, a cord necklace with pendants, a charm bracelet without a charm, and more. At the time, the investigation determined that Jane Doe was a white female between 35 and 55, and Kelgenberg was 34 when she was killed. Uh, Law enforcement caught Jefferson in 1995. His crimes spanned the United States with victims in California, Nebraska, Wyoming, Oregon, Washington, and Florida. He worked as a long-haul truck driver at the time of the murders. That explains all of that. Uh, He spoke with county officials in 1996 and admitted to killing a Jane Doe in the area and leaving her body near Holt. He reportedly told detectives he believed the woman's name was Susan or Suzette. Mm. So after 29 years, finally, another, you know, another positive of DNA sequencing is they were able to identify this victim. It's crazy. And uh, thank God for the advances DNA and, and the original real life, real crime series, death penalty. The, when they do the call to action, I'm a, I know this guy has more than two bodies on him that he confessed to over however many years, 11 years or whatever. So we're going to go to every area that he lived in and ask him to test any DBs. But the problem is a lot of the, this evidence gets lost. and uh, But hopefully they can use the same DNA technology and find out more people, get more closures for families. 100%. A happy-faced had you got? Had you heard? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'd heard of them. Um, all right, now let's go to Ohio. And, you know, all of us got here because two people had sex. In Ohio, there was a whole bunch more people that could have been born, but the state stopped it. The state of Ohio has made more than 100 arrests of Johns seeking to buy sex who have been charged with prostitution and sting dubbed Operation Buyer's Remorse. An EMT, nurses, educators, retirees, former law enforcement officers, self-employed individuals, and delivery drivers are among those in custody. The youngest arrested is age 17 and the oldest is age 84. The operation was conducted by the Attorney General Yost. Ohio Organized Crime Investigation Commission taking place from September 25th to the 30th across every corner of the state. And Operations by Remorse was comprised of uh, coordinated stings conducted by that division's Human Trafficking and Major Crimes Task Forces and nearly 100 law enforcement officers that also conducted anti-human trafficking operations. This is just one of the state over 
just a five-day period, and nearly 150 arrests were made. Cops say the 149 Johns who were seeking to buy sex have been arrested and charged with engaging in prostitution, and two individuals were arrested for seeking to have sex with minors, and six were for promoting prostitution or basically being pimps, y'all. Others were arrested for illegally possessing narcotics and, and or firearms or because they had other outstanding warrants against them. And that's any time you arrest someone, especially on, um, you know, pimps, and they're going to be armed and all that or, or keeping a dope for their, their women. Um, the charges on them vary from in severity from first-degree misdemeanor to a third-degree felony. And Yost said, our message is simple. Don't buy sex in Ohio. Law enforcement officers enforcement across Ohio teamed up in a concerted effort to stem the demand that fuels human trafficking. And the success of this operation is measured not only by the number of arrests, but also by the resources offered to survivors of human trafficking and the intelligence gathered that will propel long-term investigations forward. And so as part of the investigation, officials also interviewed 104 survivors of human trafficking, and the survivors provided services from healthcare and social service organizations as well. Uh, they they seized a whole bunch of electronic devices, y'all, and, and approximately seventy five thousand dollars cash from different locations. And the Noble County Sheriff Jason Mackey said he was very happy with the success of Operations by Remorse, and he said the big thing is we know people in our area do not support this. The people doing human trafficking think they can come to a rural area and get away with it easier, but we are prepared, we are well trained, and we won't tolerate it. So, the, um, wow, that's a, a 150 people in and, five days, right? And days. did they they rescued like 104 victims yeah, during right. that? I, I would imagine it's a lot of back page and uh, escort sites and stuff like that. And they said they probably did the stings both ways. Undercover officers acting like prostitutes to get the Johns, um, you know, placing ads on back page or whatever. But, yeah, that's a unique approach. Some areas would do this. I've seen and one of them in Louisiana where they would arrest the Johns and they would post their uh, pictures on the local Cable channel back in the day, you know, the one that, the, mm, that should, be, should have been hours. a good deterrent. Right. Well, you would think it is, but it doesn't because people get horny. And, and I mean, sex trafficking is bad. Uh, and we rescue.org. Y'all know Mike's going to get smashed in the head with a whole bunch of eggs next week. And but we'll figure that out. Well, I'd happily take 104 more if we could. Right. So if we save, could save 104, uh, I mean, just project that out. Why wouldn't every state do that? I mean, 150 people, that would be uh, like 7,500 people well, across so the country. That's the thing. I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of different jurisdictions do it as they get the complaints, or the, you know, the street walkers or whatever, the massage parlors. But this was a statewide effort coordinate between all the agencies and the attorney general's office. So <laughs> good for them. Yeah. Good. Good for you, Ohio. Let's go to Brooklyn, New York. This is another video that has been seen uh, millions and millions of times and a really, really sad story. And parts of it I don't understand. But um, the disturbing new video shows the moment a talented poet and uh, uh, and this guy was also a community organizer who was really well-respected 
was stabbed to death in front of his girlfriend who desperately tried to get help in the aftermath of uh, the attack. This all happened in Brooklyn and happened. I, I didn't know I had to research it. The story, it happened in a neighborhood, uh, Bedford Stuyvesant, that for my entire time in New York was an area you didn't go near. But I've been gone so long, it's uh, uh, it's been uh, gentrified and is an up-and-coming area, again, which is an amazing transformation. But Ryan Carson, 32, just 32 years old, can be seen sitting on a bus bench in Bedford Stuy and speaking with his girlfriend as the two made their way home from a wedding on Long Island. Now, this happened at 4 a.m. I don't know why they're on a bench at 4 a.m., on a on a Monday morning coming back from a wedding, but that's where they were and that's the timestamp. Carson and the woman, she was dressed in a, a, a wedding dress and he was still in a suit, get up and begin to walk down the block and in the same direction that they are walking, a guy had just gone past them walking in that same direction wearing a dark sweatshirt and you can see in the video that just the way the guy is walking, he had his, you know, his hood up over his head and his hands in his pockets. And uh, you actually see him stop and start kicking scooters that are parked on the side of the, uh, of the, of the sidewalk. And I just, it's 4am. You see that in front of you. I just don't know why that didn't trigger them to just, go in a different direction or just wait out until he got further down the block or I, I don't, I don't know. But, um, uh, but you can, you can see that guy clearly uh, kicking the the scooters and there's some other things there that, that he kicks. And it looks like on the video that, as I said, they might've been able to, to, uh, to turn around and just walk in the other direction. But for whatever reason, they keep going. Suddenly this unhinged guy turns toward Carson and says, what the F are you looking at? Carson replies, I wasn't looking at anything. And then the guy advances toward him and his girlfriend and Carson sidesteps so that he's between the guy and his girlfriend. The guy then says, I'll kill you. Carson says back, chill, chill, while holding his hands up. But the guy just keeps coming at Carson. He's pulling a knife as the victim's girlfriend is running up behind and she can be heard yelling, please, 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 as he's backing up. So Carson's backing up with his hands extended, trying to uh, talk to the guy and keep the guy at a distance. He stumbles over the, the bench that, uh, that the, he and his girlfriend had been sitting on. And the guy takes that moment, that opportunity, grabs his jacket, knocks him to the ground and starts savagely stabbing him. Uh, multiple times in the chest, and uh, he then walks away as Carlson is lying curled up on the ground uh, before returning and approaching the terrified woman, and he raises her hand as if he's going to go after her, and then he stops. Uh, but he does spit on her while still clutching the knife before uh, uh, then kicking uh, Carson, who's there dying on the ground. An unknown woman then appears near the corner uh, and she's yelling, don't hurt him, but she's too late. Investigators believe that the woman and the suspect knew each other prior to the slaying. Police sources said that on Tuesday and they are trying to both ID that woman as well as obviously 
this guy. Um, I'm so sorry, the the woman exclaimed as she approached Carson laying on the sidewalk and his girlfriend. I'm calling 911, she added, and the video cuts off as the girl is kneeling over her boyfriend's body. Um, hospital, she, he was rushed to the hospital where, you know, he was pronounced dead upon uh, upon arrival, apparently one of those knife wounds pierced his heart and uh, he died. Hopefully uh, they get quick. the um, the spit off of her for the um, yeah, This guy's got to have a record. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I told you all earlier in the in the um, in the set in the broadcast that uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about breast cancer. And I want to thank my wife who gave me some of this information uh, statistic wise. But I know we got a lot of. Uh, ladies out there that listen and uh, very important it's breast cancer awareness month of course october is is a busy busy time in that field i, I see my wife about half as much right. during october that i do any other month of the year uh, but here's some stats for you that are really really current one in eight women in the united states will be diagnosed with breast cancer in a lifetime that one blew my mind uh That's a yeah, that's that's uh, just insane. How many um, in 2023? An estimated 297,790 women. And get this, men out there who think that you can't get breast cancer, 2,800 men will be diagnosed with invasive breast cancer. Yeah. Chances are, you know at least one person who has personally been affected by I it have. in one way or, or another. And numerous. Yeah. Now, here's the thing with breast cancer. When it's caught early in its localized stages, the five-year survival rate is 99%. Wow. 99%. There are currently over 3.8 million breast cancer survivors in the United States. Mm -hmm. And in 2023, an estimated 297,790 uh, cases of invasive breast cancer will be diagnosed. So it's a... You know, it's it's an issue, and one thing they've really been doing in the last 20 years and doing a good job of is making mammograms and things like that more accessible. That's what, like, the mobile. That's right, stuff, the right? mobile the mobile but, units and, that go. And, and, and I, The listeners probably don't know, your wife, that's what she does. That's what she does, right. and, and they go to facilities all over, in, in my case, South Louisiana, well, well, really, all over Louisiana, even North Louisiana, and they go to uh, uh, facilities, for example, uh, like prisons, the retirement yeah. communities. Yeah, but even uh, prisons. Yeah, prisons, yeah. and they'll they'll park out front and and uh, really do some good work there. Breast cancer is the most common cause of cancer in American women. Uh, it's estimated in 2023, approximately 30% of all new female cancer diagnoses will be breast cancer. The only the only superseding cancer as far as diagnosis is skin cancers right. uh, uh, in general. Um, on average, every two minutes, someone is diagnosed with That's breast crazy. cancer. Um, Approximately 15% of women diagnosed have a family history of breast cancer. That's very important to mention. Uh, typically, it's a first-degree relative, which is a mother, sister, or daughter with breast cancer, and they're nearly twice as likely to develop breast cancer themselves. That does not mean that if you don't have a family history, you can't get it. Right. Uh, it's just very important if you have a family history that you start early on your mammograms and things like that. Um, my wife recommends you start early, 35 to 40. Uh, she says you'll hear some people say 40 to 50. 
She said 35 to 40 is really the best time to start to do an annual uh, mammogram. And the, and the reason for that is if you catch it early, as we stated, it's 99% survival rate. The problem with breast cancer is once it spreads, it kind of gets out of control. If you yeah. can catch it in that localized state, you got a real good shot. Yeah. And uh, and so it's you know people people put those things off, but October being Breast Cancer Awareness Month is a great time to just lock in your head that that's when I'm gonna schedule my mammogram every year, and they yeah. make it easy now. Yeah, all these all these mobile units all over the country, they make it they almost come to you. So right. if you're interested in in supporting something uh to do with breast cancer, the Susan B. Komen Foundation right. is is top notch. They're the leading nonprofit for breast cancer research and you can you can go to Komen K O M E N dot org and uh and learn more about it. Ladies, get your mammogram. And we know we have you know, probably eighty percent of our listener audience are females. So y'all take care of yourselves. And That's right. That. Let me put perspective for you guys out there, or ladies too. Uh, rabbit. Everybody in South Louisiana is or rabbit LSU fan. Rabbit. Rabbit. You rabbit, rabbit, rabbit yeah. LSU fans, right? So LSU, Alabama, and Tiger Stadium is you know always going to be sold out a hundred thousand. Plus people, if you, you took LSU Stadium, filled it up on an LSU Alabama football game night three times with just females, that's how many are getting diagnosed. Yeah, every year. And that's, that's right. And it's crazy. Look, I have a personal experience right now with uh, my niece who, I'm sorry, yeah, uh, who thankfully on her own felt something. She was still in her twenties. She was 20. Really? Yeah. Uh, felt something and went right away and they caught it early. I mean, she's been through a year and a half plus of, of treatments and, right. uh, but she's going to get married in December and awesome. she is a great, I'm about to say kids. She's a great lady. And, uh, um, you know, I'm just, amazed at what she's accomplished in her life already but but to to handle everything she's handled in the last year and a half i mean this is it's unbelievable what these women go through y'all take care of yourselves and get it going you can now take off that belt and move freely around the cabin We're going to have Woody Everton doing my Woody Everton doing my day, ladies and gentlemen. How about that? Switch it up is a little a bit. kinky mile high? No, you, uh, no. You crossing this is, this is a, hey, I'd have gone to jail if I'd <laughs> been this guy. Um, so, you know, we always say, see something, say something. But a responsibility comes along with that to actually ask yourself whether that's something you're seeing is actually something. Singer David Ryan Harris has received a groveling apology from American Airlines after staffers accused him of trafficking his own children. Mm. Harris, 55, was traveling from Atlanta to Los Angeles on September 15th with his sons, Truman and Hendrix. But their trip endured some unexpected turbulence when the airline staff, along with four police officers, met Harris and his kids at the top of the jetway when they disembarked from the plane. Apparently, a flight attendant had called ahead with some sort of concern that perhaps my mixed children weren't my children, Harris said in the video. Uh, because they were 
unresponsive during the interaction with her. And look, my youngest son isn't talking to anybody, right? So I get it. Um, so because of that, we were we were met and embarrassingly so by this American Airlines employee and police officers, and they questioned my kids. Harris shared the airline statement with his followers on Instagram Tuesday, which said, to summarize our investigation, we and our flight attendant realized that our policies regarding suspected human trafficking were not followed, and and through coaching and counseling, our flight attendant realizes that their interaction and observations did not meet the criteria that human trafficking was taking place. Our flight attendant in question wanted to make sure that you were aware that sincerely offer they sincerely offer our heartfelt apology to you and your family for their actions and the results that their actions generated. Alongside screenshots of the airline's apology, um, Harris said the ordeal has been a teachable moment for all involved. All I was looking for was an apology and or an explanation of policy. And from the beginning, I didn't and still don't think that a slow or tentative response from a seven-year-old on an early morning flight should be enough criteria to have the authorities called. I never begrudged the red flag. I've, I've always begrudged the apparent lack of diligence on the part of the flight attendant. I still very much think that non-response from the airline smacks of corporate arrogance at worst and a gross undervaluing of the customers at best that I had to report to shaming the airlines to get a response that all speaks to the general lack of a meaningful of a meaningful customer service apparatus. Harris said he applauds American Airlines for finally apologizing, and the musician revealed that he has started a petition to implement mandatory ID checks for children traveling with their parents. Wow. Pretty good story. Um, well, what a like, measured response by some. I mean, yeah. I'd have gone freaking nuts. Yeah, I, I get it. He, I mean, he's not suing and everything else. Uh, uh, but, you know, but when I travel with, with my son, W.L., I make sure he has his passport. Seems like I would need, um, you know, free airline tickets for the rest of my yeah, life. If, yeah. That's crazy, man. Yeah. They, ought to, they ought to be doing something, doing something retroactively or something. You can now take off that belt and move freely around the cabin. I'm going to go and talk about something really, really dumb today, but not criminals. I'm going to talk about dumb weapons. Right. I don't know about you guys, but one of my favorite things about James Bond, and I'm, I love James Bond movies, is when uh, he, Q he gets comes yes. and introduces the new gadgets available to you, Bond you know, in that movie. Most of the ones that they did from back in the day actually became real things. Real things, yeah. Uh, I mean, and he had some incredible toys to play you, with through you know, a lot of those movies. Do you know um, where James Bond got his name from? Ian Fleming, who wrote it all, he, he named it after his best friend. Do you know what James Bond, the real James Bond's occupation was? He was a bird watcher. Ornithologist, what they call it, or something like that. What, a professional bird watcher, whatever it's called. Av avian? Yeah, whatever it's called, the, the real James Bond hmm. Ian Fleming named after his best buddy. Okay, well, he's a bird watcher. the The weapon I'm going to talk about right now would not have qualified as something that Bond would have used right. in a movie. 
During the Cold War, the CIA came up with a plan to stick microphones in cats' ears and radio transmitters in their skulls in order to spy on Russians. Brilliant, right? I mean, just if that works, I mean, get the cat near the Russians and they're not going to suspect anything from the cat and you get to hear the entire conversation, right? Well, for its first official test, CIA staffers drove Acoustic Kitty, that was the name of this weapon, Acoustic Kitty, to a park and they tasked Acoustic Kitty with capturing the conversation of two men who were sitting on a bench. This all came from a redacted government memo. Instead, the cat wandered out into the street where it was promptly squashed by a taxi. Hmm. Waste of money. Probably not Not, not the greatest weapon we've ever introduced. When did that happen? It happened, it's a, during the Cold War, so they didn't, give, oh, they didn't 70s, give a specific uh, specific date to it. But uh, yeah, wow. the acoustic kitty did not work. We're sorry that uh, whoever that kitty was got squashed in the end, but you need not fear that kitties are recording your conversations. But. There you go. Don't fear the cats. There you go, Dom. All right. Any final thoughts, Woody Everton? Nope. Woody's, go- Woody's Googling Acoustic Kitty. Yeah. Rescue.org. See something, say something, help stop human trafficking. We love all y'all. All right. Mike, anything? Say a prayer from Yaglats. I think it's one week from, well, it's six days now. The, the, next Thursday. Unless, I mean, you guys better have a plan. Unless I mean, something has to change. Okay, the, well, that's, yeah. the, I'm not impressed with the organization by the Agers as the uh, Ago is prepared to get his forehead destroyed. But. All right, well, until next time, I'm Jim Chapman. I'm Woody Everton. And I'm Mike Agavino. Your host of Real Life, Real Crime Daily. Peace. Peace. Aglets. Get those mammograms. <laughs>